Franchised is presented by Fakeship.net with support from Emrysell. If you're looking to buy an iPhone, iPad, MacBook or any other Apple product, visit Emrysell today. They offer refurbished, top-of-the-line and next-to-new Apple products at a fraction of the regular price. And if you're looking to sell an Apple product, they'll buy them off you too. Visit emrysell.com.au First, there was Warlock, and then there was Warlock Armageddon, and then there was some bargain bin piece of shit called Warlock 3, which cashed in on the popular branding and completely bastardised the series. G'day, my name's Glenn, and this is Franchised. The guys beside me are Jarrett and Sean. We are FakeShemp.net, and this is our final episode for the year. In this episode, we all sport hard-ons for the first Warlock film, then two of us maintain our stamina for the second one, before all of us finally turn flaccid for the third and final instalment. So that's three tentpole salutes to get things started, and three limp dicks to bring it home. Well, I think I have a frush. What the fuck is a frush? Farewell, dear shithead. The limit! No fucking shit, lady! Do I sound like I'm wearing a piece of shit? So this is the franchise that we've actually been uh, trying to get to for as long as we've been doing this show, and it all stemmed from the poster that was in our original recording studio. <laughs> Done in the bunker. Done in the bunker. Mm. But um, firstly, how are you guys going? Very well, very well. Good, well and rested. Yeah. yeah. And let's preface this by saying we've just endured a marathon sit-in of Warlock 1, 2, and 3. That's why I'm so well rested, because we just finished Warlock 3. I had a good opportunity to rest. You've never seen three guys on their phones. So oh, I know. <laughs> that 90 minutes felt like a fucking fortnight. Uh, so, it, yeah, it all began when um, I think we were talking about the... I have a, a Warlock 2 poster and a Hellraiser 3 poster, and we talk about it all the time and I think you mentioned Sean that we need to do that franchise yeah. one day or we need to watch them together I think that, I don't, I don't mm. think there's, I don't think there's ever a time where we, I don't end up in the studio looking at that poster talking about that poster because yeah. I have such an affinity for it but yeah I think that's where the where the, the genesis came from and so well we did it we got to it and uh, let's get stuck into it beginning with Warlock the first one made in 1989 in a time of fear and suspicion you choose to admit your crimes before man and God? His coming was foretold. Now, he is here. You know the signs. You are bewitched. He has the face of an angel. Channel me a spirit. The charm of the devil. Hear me when I say he's evil. Evil absolute. And the powers of a god. <laughs> Satan also has one son. First to have laid eyes upon the new messiah. Now, an enemy from his past. Who appointed you executioner? And a girl from the present. Do you know what he's capable of? Next time he's gonna kill me. I'll not let him harm you. Are the only hope for the future. <laughs> 
This is the terrifying adventure that could set the world on fire. Warlock. So I'm going to run a little bit of a synopsis for this one. And you know, Jarrett, when he hosts uh, Rewind and Digress, he usually takes his information from the back of jackets or whatever. This much is true. Do you know all of the, the VHS and DVD jackets for Warlock are really long? Like it's a novel. It's Yeah, it's, 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 like, it's, it's almost like somebody has, in hindsight written a treatment for the film that already exists yeah yeah it's weird and then I thought about well why don't I take like a foreign version and translate it oh that's amazing that would have been a good but idea I couldn't though no because you've only got you've only got like the um the screenshots you haven't actually got anything right. you can copy and paste yeah. into a translator and you don't have three weeks to, to retype it yourself <laughs> like, yeah. no. so I just found the shortest one I could bear with me I'm going to read it out now Boston 1691 the gallows await the warlock the triumph of witch hunter Giles Redfern is short-lived as the warlock escapes and hurdles himself 300 years into the future. Now, in present-day Los Angeles, the warlock begins his task of reuniting the three portions of the Devil's Book that will reveal the secret name of God. If spoken, all creation will be destroyed. Redfern, who is also transported into the future, enlists the aid of Cassandra, who has miraculously escaped the warlock's wrath. But the carnage has begun as the warlock unites the first two pieces successfully and heads directly for the third, buried in the grave of Redfern's body. <laughs> this is fucking I mean, spoilers. Jesus, Jesus, I mean, like, just, yeah. I mean, like, it is on these hallowed grounds where evil magic will confront the strength of righteousness with a future of all mankind at stake. I mean, Fuck me dead. Like, seriously, that that's the shortest one yeah, I could find. That did everything except read out the last credits. My God, yeah. Can you imagine the long ones? Like, oh bloody hell. Insane. This movie has two taglines on the poster. Did you notice that? On the poster? It's yeah, got like, you know, he's he's from the past to destroy the future, which is pretty much what they used in the trailer. And then I should have just said that. Below it, it's got like evil... What is it? The devil has a the son. The devil also has one oh, son. Yeah, it's like two taglines, motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> two taglines. <laughs> if I just put them together, I wouldn't have had to have read all that fucking shit. <laughs> anyway, it was directed by Steve Miner, who I think we can agree is a bit of a favourite here. Yeah, we champion. Uh, yeah. I mean, we were talking about it briefly. He's he's one of those guys who seems to always be around, but he's never done anything. Like hang on, hang on, wait, wait. <laughs> Where are you going? Well, Where are you ne- going? He's never done anything that is truly remarkable. Oh, House, House, 1985, House. house. Not, we did house a whole Friday the Thirteenth, Friday the Thirteenth, two and he three. He did classics. Friday the Thirteenth. I, I think what, where my affinity for Steve Miner comes from is that Steve Miner, I think, if I'm not wrong, is the only person to have directed both Friday the Thirteenth and Halloween installments. Correct. That's true, actually. Yeah, because yeah. he did. Uh, he obviously. Oh uh, no. He did Halloween H2O. Oh yeah, you know you're right. Yeah. 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 And then he did Friday Thirteenth Two and Three. Yeah. Don't forget Soul uh, Man. Yeah, Soul Man he from '86. Yeah, God, Soul Man. But he's one of those guys. He's kind of like a journeyman director. He's all. He's kind of like Peter Himes in that way. He's always kind of been there. Yeah. He always. What? Whenever he produces anything, invariably it often ends up being very solid without being very remarkable. With the um, exception of House. Says, <laughs> yeah. Well, there's <laughs> another franchise he jumped into, and yeah. he also jumped into the Day yeah. of the Dead. He did that one, the remake. Oh, he did the, he, yeah, yeah, the he Millennium did. Films that remake. Awful. That was that awful. Was terrible. Yeah. Not anyway, as bad as Day of the Dead Contagion, though. That was awful. That's that true. Right. But we yeah. do love the guy, and the film was actually written by David Tui, who uh, we know from the Chronicles of Riddick, amongst oh, other things. Yeah. And what's that time travel one he does? Timescape. Timescape. That's yeah. a fantastic film. Yeah, he's again. He's one. He's another one. He's always very solid. 
Yeah. He did a great film a couple of years ago with Steve Zahn and Mila Jovovich called The Perfect Getaway. How good is that film? Uh, That's a really good yeah. thriller. Yeah. Really good thriller. Yeah. Super underrated. Super underrated. But Tui is that responsible for yeah. that as well. Do you know, I wrote to David Tui many years ago um, back when I was like sort of excited about writing and I thought, you know what, I'm going to I'm gonna write a Warlock film. I'm going to do an official, yeah. an official sequel where I'm going to combine the elements of number one and number two. And me being naive, I wrote to him and said, you know, have you ever considered, you know, having you know, the Druids team up with Giles and you know they yeah, can, yeah. and he's like no I never have oh anyway, he actually no. responded <laughs> yeah he responded he goes no I never had and he goes and I've never seen any of the sequels so wow yeah. Yeah, right. you'd think a little bit of curiosity must you know must you must kind of go well, where did they go with it even if it's not immediate like 10 years later just to go I would yeah I would totally yeah I mean yeah I certainly would yeah but I mean there's a lot of actors that don't even watch the films they're in but you know when you're a key creator and you've created something yeah. you're kind of like well, where well, did they take my perfect example idea? I once asked Albert Pune if he had seen the Cyborg sequels you know sequels, what's yeah. the one with Angelina Jolie the oh, Cyborg yeah, yeah. Too. and then number three and he yeah. goes no I just can't do that it's weird because Peter Atkins you know Peter Atkins yeah. who wrote Hellraiser 2 and mm. amongst other things I remember watching there's a, there's a there's a very lengthy documentary on on the Hellraiser films. If oh, it's remember. a good one, one and two. Yeah. Leviathan. The Leviathan yeah. is called yeah. It's split into two parts, but each part is three hours long. It's a six-hour documentary on on two films mm. that actually only come to an accumulated running time of three hours, um, and it's way too unwieldy. But one of the more in, impressive parts of it is when Peter Atkins is talking. He's talking about having to write Hellraiser two, and he he brings up Wishmaster, and he says. You know, the, the, the problem with sequels I try to avoid with Hellraiser 2, uh, which isn't a problem that, that they, they considered when, because I wrote another film called Wishmaster, and if you've ever seen the sequels to Wishmaster, they are fucking awful. Like, so he's, he's seen them. He's, he's, <laughs> he's, he's, seen he's one of the few that might have watched them. He's been there. So the film um, stars Julian Sands as the warlock, Richard E. Grant as Giles Redfern, the witch hunter, and Laurie Singer as the uh, modern-day contemporary heroine. I wonder what, I wonder what um, the warlock's name is. Steve, maybe. Well, what, would, what would the Warlock's name be? Mm. I don't know. It had to be something very English, though. Chuswagger, something like that. Chuswagger. Mm. Yeah. Don't know. I never thought about that. No, yeah. That's an interesting question. Maybe his you name is Warlock. We'll think about that later. Warwick. Warwick the Warlock. Yeah, I like that. That's true. <laughs> Works. All right. So let, the film, what do you think of it? I've got a great affinity for it. I grew up watching this film. I don't, I, I don't remember the first time I ever seen it, mm. but it was one of those ones that m- my dad made made a, a dub copy of it, and it was just on super high rotation in our house. And it was, I think Julian Sands may have been one of my first man crushes. Right, yeah. Like yeah. I, just, I just wanted to get everything I could get my hands on in Julian Sands. Did, did you watch A Room with a View? Uh, the Merchant Ivory one? You see his wiener in it. I, I didn't. Well, then you missed out. You no, he saw his wiener in part two. Well, yeah, you did too, yeah. yeah Not all of it, only, only the Blu-ray, though. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was... Uh, crystal clear. Crystal clear and, you know, 75-inch glory. Um, the TV, that is, not Julian Sands' wiener. Um, it's an unwit... Like, oof, that warlock, he's... Uh, <laughs> he's hung. He's, pa- he's packing a punch. But yeah, I uh, I, I got a great fitting for it. I, I, I adored it a great deal. And not because it was a... I didn't find it a particularly scary film when I was young. I don't know how young I was. I'm not, but supp- I'm not sure it's supposed to be a scary well, film. Well, yeah, because it always feels mm. more of an adventure it film. Is. It's a quest. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's clearly a quest. It's one yeah. of those things where horror is sort of you know the the foundation, and then it goes off in a certain direction. And yeah, rather yeah, yeah. than being a scary film, it's an adventure. It's an adventure film with some mystical scary elements. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. What about you? Yeah. Where was your first time? Video, video. I remember seeing the TV spots playing mm-hmm. on TV when it was coming out, and I remember seeing the you know the ads in the newspaper, and I was I was psyched for it, but I had to wait for new release and watch it on video. And the first time I saw it, I think it was a little I don't know I was a little underwhelmed. I was bummed that the the song that's in the trailer that you know. <laughs> 
wasn't in the actual oh, yeah. film. But yeah, I, I think know, it was right? like it was a film that by the time it hit weekly, I rented out several more times yeah. and just really grew to like. I think because I came into it thinking it was going to be more straight ahead horror. Yeah. But like you said, it's an adventure film. There's yeah. not a great deal of suspense in it because pretty much every time the warlocks, you know, you see him, he's on screen. Yeah. Oh, he's on the plane somewhere. Whereabouts is he? Okay, there he is right there. It's, there's no real suspense build. It's more... Like you mentioned when we were watching it, a bit of a treasure hunt, treasure yeah. hunt adventure, you know, yep. cross country adventure, bit of a road trip movie too. Definitely, it's a chase film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, that's where I was going to say with my first time watching it is, um, I had like an inappropriate weekend. I can recall down at Phillip Island where my Ooh. stepmother took oh. us. <laughs> Where's this going? <laughs> stepmother took us down, and um, we spent the night sort of having a. She had a house party, sort of maybe right, ten okay. or twelve people. All sitting around a kitchen table, getting loaded, probably stoned from my recollection. I was yeah. a kid. I was going to say, how old were you? I was sitting at the table. I wasn't participating oh, in right, any no, of that. No. But, you know, I was there in the conversation and they were playing NWA. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? I've wow. never heard anything like That's that. Wild. Yeah. And that was like, a, that was the standout part of the night until they said, well, let's go and watch a movie. And they yeah. put Warlock on. And me, I was little. And it's like, first thing I remember is the finger getting cut off. And I'm like, wow, I'm in for the ride. This is awesome. Yeah. And then I realized, hang on, this is a treasure film. I've seen a treasure hunt movie like yeah, this before. Yeah. And this is the same structure. They've got to find one piece to lead to the next. And yeah, yeah. yeah so it was a home video at the house party with NWA and probably dope. Mm. Amazing. That is, the, that is the one thing is that, again, Warlock, I feel, you know, it's not an amazing film, right? It's a very solid film. It's very enjoyable. It's, it's an beautiful. excellent it's, film. It's, it's, yeah, it is. It is, it is it's for films of its ilk, it's certainly better than most. But that is the one of the things that when you see films where Warlock's f- structure, its story mm. structure, it's very, it's rote, right? It's yeah. very, it's very ordinary in everything it does. But in order to try and write, pre- I say predictable for the for, for, for lack of a better expression, in order to write a predictable, structured film like that, it's very difficult. And, you know, to get all the pieces into play and make it all happen. And Warlock makes it look effortless. Warlock, just everything just flows perfectly from one thing to the next. And it's a testament to Tui, I think, as a screenwriter. I think he's he's very, very You're on the money. It's fluent in every regard. Like, every scene leads to the next. There's no room to breathe. It's sort of, you know, just one hop and skip and jump. And suddenly you're at the end and you're like, where did the time go? There's no strenuous fat on the film. Except for the tin of fat that he drinks. Well, disgusting. <laughs> yeah, there's not there's not a great deal of time paid to backstory. You've no, got like you got that intro, it sets the film up and it's got great production value in that intro and then you're thrust into modern times and from then it's just a speedy chase to the end. Yeah, so I think for all intents and purposes it's it's aged pretty well. Yeah, you know, I yeah, think I'd agree, yeah. the fact that these two main characters come from yeah. an old time means that that you know, that feels yeah. right because yeah. they're addressed the way they should be. Uh, the 80s references of few and far between. Like yeah, Cassandra looks yeah. 80s, but now we've That's come it. full circle to kids look like that these days. Totally, yeah. totally. Yeah. And That's other than point. just a few sort of dodgy sort of um, effects, the yeah. rest of it yeah. is pretty damn I good. I mean, you look at two films of similar real, like in terms of story, like Highlander or um, Terminator, and those effects are present in those films too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You can't, I think you can kind of, you, you can appreciate that. That, that adds texture to the film and, you know, that that makes me actually like the film a lot more to know that it was an optical effect or it was done in camera, it was done there or live on the set, it wasn't done, you know, in a post house, you know, yeah. by some, mm. I won't say, you know, undisclosed country somewhere. Could be in here yeah. in Melbourne. You know, it was all done and that, that shows passion. Sure. It's also very intentionally, subtly funny. Yeah, like, and yes. that's the whole fish out of water aspect that they yeah. play upon. But it's very, it's done very gently. Like yeah. it's, you know, yeah. you laugh at it because it's yeah. funny, but it's not like let's just look for another gag we can throw out totally. there. It's all contextual to yeah. where the story's going, and it's all the, the comedy is surprisingly well timed. 
like the, every joke that's meant to be a joke lands. Yeah, absolutely. And you find yourself laughing with the film as opposed to at it, regardless of all these elements you're talking about, yep. because because it has dated a little bit. But you know, you, the the styles come back around. The special effects are a little bit hokey, but they're kind of charming as but well. But they're not that hokey. There's a few hokey moments, yeah. but I think most, for the most part, it's practical and yeah. it works. Yeah. yeah, and the yeah. ones that, are, and like I say, the ones that are hokey, they're charming. Hmm. It's fun to hmm. watch them. You're hmm. just like, oh, that doesn't look like the special effects of today, which like are more noticeable on Blu-ray than they would have been if you'd watched, you know, former oh, format. format. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. So originally, David Tui wrote the film with um, a different angle. So he was going to be an innocent man that's been persecuted as a witch right right goes through time to modern era where he's also persecuted so it's going to be like more of a political social political commentary that doesn't sound no well when he realised that there was no um, massive dynamic going on there so he then made him an evil witch which sort of gave him the crux of the story uh, and Julian Sands and Richard E. Grant were supposed to be flip side. So Richard oh. E. Grant was the warlock. That's who they originally wanted right. to cast. Yeah, right, yeah. And yeah. Julian Sands, because he'd come from Merchant Ivory, they wanted him as the fresh faced right. sort of innocent guy. And yeah. then he decided, well, let's just go against type and flip that. And flip it more. Good, good decision as well. Very good I decision. Mean, and Richard E. Grant, obviously, he'd done with No and I by this time. He mm. was. It never fails to amaze me. Whenever I watch Warlock, Richard E. Grant really, as far as like acting goes, really carries a lion's share. And he mm. does. He he puts everything he's got into what is essentially a sort of hokey fun B movie about witches and warlocks and time travel and all that kind of stuff. Richard E. Grant's playing it for everything that it's worth. Mm. He's 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 his capability as an actor is so far beyond what Warlock asks yeah. of him, but he still goes above well, and I beyond. I think both of them because they come from Shakespearean backgrounds. They they treat this as if it's as important as Shakespeare. Yeah. I agree. yeah. But also with a, a tongue-in-cheek at times, you know, particularly when he's doing those lines like, you know, you search hither, I thither. Yeah. Like, you can tell there's a play yeah. going on there. Salting you know? the leather. Mm. He yeah. knows how ridiculous it yeah. is and yeah. he's playing it for yucks. It's, yeah. yeah. It's, I like it. It works. It's so dynamic like that. Uh, the other interesting thing is that this was released in Australia and most of the world long mm. before America got it. Two years, in fact. This is a story I want to hear. Who's going to tell it? Well, I don't know too much. Like... Glenn might know a little bit we more. We should but preface I'm, this first know. by saying yeah. that we have not explored the special features of all the God Blu-rays. No. We haven't watched the commentaries or anything yep. like that. So there's going to be a shitload of information out there that we're yeah. not addressing. Yeah. And yeah. That, that said, the Lionsgate, you know, Vestron series Blu-ray trilogy pack is is the first special editions of these films. You know, prior to that, I don't think these films have had any special features. No, so and information on them was very hard to come by. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, everything we're talking about is from our observations as such. All I know is that obviously New World was a bit of a powerhouse in terms of um, tuning out, you know, sort of not micro-budgeted like Blumhouse sort of stuff, but modestly budgeted films that were, you know, doing decent box office. And obviously the Steve Miner films we mentioned earlier, House and Soul Man, they were both New World films and they were both pretty much like the number one films over their summers over that, you know, 85, 86 yeah. period. Um, but I think that, you know, like a lot of these companies, you know, they're making the money and then they start making some crazy decisions. I think they made that um, Return of the Killer Tomatoes. I'm pretty sure they made that in about 87. Which yeah, is that pretty decent. Yeah, yeah I didn't think that me. made a lot of money. Though. No, it wouldn't have. It and they were making a lot of stuff like, you know, Mind Return you, it to Horror two High. more sequels, didn't it? It did. It did, yeah. So they were, you know, they were, they were probably throwing money left out and right and... Subsequently, they ended up going bankrupt. Yeah, and that's where Trimark yeah. stepped in and purchased yeah. the film to put it out. And the success of that was pretty immediate. And they managed to sort of you know, pump out a sequel based on the on the success. But then this didn't... This, this, so, so then I guess my question would yeah. be then, if it's been released in every territory other than America for two years, yeah. what was the hold up specifically for America? Well, it might have been that 
it could have very well been they'd sold those foreign territories ahead of the bankruptcy because mm. New World, I don't know if they handled their own distribution within the states. You well, know, yeah, once you once you sell it off, it's then other people yeah, put it out. It's, it's up to them. To, yeah. yeah, it's up to them. I mean, these days it's a little bit more regimented because of the internet. Like you know, the US generally, if they have a film, they'll sell that film to you know foreign markets. But in the contract, it'll say that the US releases first, and the other territories have to wait. The unfortunate thing of that is generally when it comes to those type of films, the US do day and date. So they'll go theatrical and they'll go VOD, which means for the other territories, these films can end up torrented, pirated, whatever. But I mean, when we're talking the late 80s, this was not an issue. I mean, the best kind of bootlegs you were probably getting were, you know, when friends were going to Thailand or Bali or whatever and third generation VHS recorded off cinema screens sort of thing. So I don't think it was as big an issue back then as Mm. it is now. Um, But yeah, that's probably it. They probably had all those foreign sales. And a lot of times these films... You know, when they are smaller films too, they sell the film well ahead of either production or the film being finished. So they've already set a release schedule. You know, they know what their strategy is. And you will probably thought, well, this is our strategy. We're going out in the summer of 89 or something like this. Um, So, you know, it does get released overseas ahead of the US. And then, yeah, they might have had trouble. It might have been they, you know, they filed for bankruptcy, but then slowly they're selling off the properties. Happened Mm -hmm. recently with Miramax, with Paddington 2. They sold that off, you know, in the States. And... Mm-hmm. That was like the one good thing Miramax sort of had as leverage was like, well, we've got Paddington 2. We know if we can get into cinemas, it's going to make some money and get us a little bit out of the hole. Yeah. But they'll never get completely out of the hole. And then, yeah, that was the, they had to sell it at the end. And it was a shame for them because Paddington 2 made bank worldwide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, a yeah. massive film. So what was the budget roughly for Warlock? You know, no, that's a great question. Oh, I yeah. didn't look. That. I, th- I think it was something like nine million. Yeah, I'd say and it, it made somewhere like between million or five to ten US mil. Yeah, yeah. easy. Because I mean, this is the kind of movie always that makes its money on home video. You know, theatricals a thing, but it pretty much advertises the home video release. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, interesting little bit of trivia about Laurie Singer on set. She's a, she's supposed to be one of the most difficult actresses yeah, in is, Hollywood. Is she the weakest element of? Oh, she, I, I honestly don't like her in the film. To be honest I with you, yeah. I think she was miscast. I, I yeah. think she's really. I think she's got great comic timing. I think she's. She's, you know, vibrant and she's got energy and she's... Well, look, she's always irked me right from the start even when yeah. I was a kid. But yeah, the right. thing is, she's supposed to be very difficult, notoriously. And she had tested for all of the prosthetic makeups for when she was aged in the film because she ages yeah. 20 years every day. When it got to the day of applying the actual prosthetic, she changed her mind and said she refuses to wear any of it. So they had to age her up with makeup. And then for the 60-year-old version of herself, the studio insisted she at least have cheek and chin prosthetic, very light, right, right. but nothing above the eyes, which is why she doesn't actually ever look old in the film. Yeah. You know, yeah. which is, the, the makeup is, you know, the best they could do, I suppose. But how's just that? Just a like, couple of You've agreed to this. You've signed on to the yeah. film and you've yeah. tested for it, you know. How do you just change your mind? I know. Like, I yeah. can understand sometimes the clauses when they'll go, well, yes, I said it would do nudity, but I didn't realise it was going to be like this. So I'm not, not doing yeah, the that. context has but changed. This yeah. is like so integral to the story. Yeah, your character's aging twenty years every day. Every day. Oh, I, I don't want she, any I heavy prosthetics. Had, I bet if, the, if I bet if New World came running goes I goes, actually we just changed our mind. We're just gonna take one point five million back from you just because you know, we're just yeah. changing our mind on the day. Just yeah. like should have something to say about it. Well yeah. that's true. Or we're gonna just, you know, half your screen time. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And no yeah. catering for you either. Stay away from the catering. Because yeah. there's every there's a seven eleven running corner. <laughs> there's <laughs> every reason that Richard E. Grant yeah. could have carried that, that chase on his own. Yeah, yeah, you know, totally. He's got a witch totally. compass for fuck's sake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And a whip. Yeah, so a lot of the violence uh, that was planned to be depicted on screen had to be removed. I think that was um, pre-production. That's before they actually shot it. A lot Good of it, decision. A lot of it was too gruesome. So stuff such as the baptized version, which is the kid that he kills to boil right. the 
spoil a fat Hobie. Which, is it Hobie? Is that that was his character name? Was it mm. Kid from Baywatch? Yeah, the Kid from yeah, Baywatch. Yeah, Hobie, yeah. I his name was. Yeah, that was. Can yeah. I say that sequence where Julian Sands is sitting on the swing talking to the child? Real predator like is <laughs> one of the most terrifying. <laughs> it's a disturbing yeah. sequence. Is, in hindsight, knowing what's coming, it's a very disturbing sequence. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. And um, but that scene originally, you're supposed to see the the kill, and you're supposed to see the like it was a montage sequence right. of him. Breaking down, breaking the, down the body yeah. to the fat. Yeah. No, I would love to have seen that. You know me, I love kids dying off screen. So. <laughs> and um, the warlock was also uh, supposed to be depicted as Satanic Messiah, but this was omitted from release despite footage being featured in the trailer. Oh, okay, right. So, so yeah. not the sun. Not the, the sun. Actual yeah. The Satan. Yeah. Yeah. Like the internet. Yeah. The Satan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the um the the mystic woman, the fortune teller, was supposed to have eyes popping out of her tits and. Yeah. Uh, that's where he got the eyes from, but instead in the release they are they didn't shoot it. They, they get. No, I don't no. think they did. Yeah, I don't think that, no, no one needs to see that. Oh, yeah, actually, that no. I reckon. I reckon they did shoot it because right. I read somewhere that there is yeah. you know still screenshots of that moment. Oh with wow! These, you know, these with Mary wearing eye boobies. Yes. Weird. Right. Yeah. They I mean, must like, follow you, know, you when you're going to move. That's you. creepy. It's creepy. Um, what about the artwork? There's two particular yeah. pieces of artwork for this film. Can I say, both are great. They are really good. Yeah. Both are really solid posters. Yeah. And the, the minimalist one the, with the white background, his, you know, the warlock and his shadow being cast that looks like Satan. Yeah. Mm. I love that. It's kind very of, striking. Yeah, that yeah. kind of minimalist striking one. But then the other one, we were discussing about this earlier, the other one that has Warlock's face and Richard E. Grant underneath it in the cityscape, guarantee, if you look into it, it'll be the same guy that did Highlander. Yeah, Guaranteed. the UK Highland art. Probably we haven't had time to research that. Yeah, I reckon I do like that art as well. And that's a note, is it the old VHS, the Aussie VHS, I think it was first release that might have put it out back in the day. Mm. It was a dual-sided slick, so it had both art on it. I never knew that. But I yeah, but it's always either. it's always the Julian Sands with the silhouette, sort of, you know, the shadow behind him is the one that we typically saw. Yeah, because I don't have the Blu-ray set yeah. that you have that we watched um, yeah. earlier. And I have the uh, the American release, which is uh, the Trimark yeah. release, and that's yep. the white case. Yeah, because yeah. even I've got, I've got, I think it was, was it Shock that put it out locally? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I've got that, and it's the white one as well. It's the one, yeah. yeah. So what, speaking of the differences between the releases and whatnot, I've always grown up thinking that Brian Usner was attached to this film because he's, his name was always in the credit sequence, and on IMDb he's listed as a producer on... On Warlock, so I thought, you know, of all the people that I can probably contact to get involved in this podcast, it probably would be him. So I, I chucked him an email, and he responded, and I'm going to read them out to you just to give you some uh, insight into his input into Warlock. To be fair, this is the first time we've heard this as well, so I'm I'm on the edge of my seat waiting to hear this. Yes. Okay, so this is because I'd already written to him previously about some other things. Hi again, Brian. We're recording a podcast focused on the Warlock films, and I'm writing to you to get some information about your involvement. Any information you might be able to contribute so that we can have our facts straight would be very helpful. We plan to discuss the Warlock films at length on our next episode and we would like to know how you became involved with it. Hope you're well and hope to hear from you soon. And then about four hours later he replied, Hey Glenn, I'd love to participate, but I actually never had anything to do with the Warlock films. Except for, at one point, I spoke to Trimark about directing a sequel. All the best. Brian. What? There's more to come. So I wrote back... My goodness, your name is on the opening credits and it's listed on your IMDb profile. That is curious indeed. Thanks for your reply. Then about 15 minutes later, I'm not sure what Warlock 91 actually is. When I dealt with Trimark about it, my recollection is that it was for Warlock 2. I did meet some people for story ideas 
So that's all I can think, that somehow I got plugged in to satisfy some justification for using the work I did. Instead of Warlock 2, I ended up doing Return of the Living Dead 3. That's the end of that email. Right. I wrote back, very interesting. Yes, it's a 1989 film released in the US in 91, directed by Steve Miner, written by David Tui. It has you listed on screen as producer in the wonderful opening sequence, so that is definitely a point of curiosity. It came about at a particularly prolific time in your career, so the natural assumption was that you had something to do with it. Thanks for clearing that up. It helps us to go to the mic factually. Really appreciated. And then I quickly wrote back to him a few minutes later and said, by the way, Return of the Living Dead 3, stunning. We're fans of your work at fakechamp.net and that film comes up in our conversations regularly. I'm also about to watch Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 4 next week. I revisit that most Christmases. So then he replied in a final email, You have piqued my interest in the Warlock credit and I'm searching through my files to find the work I did for Trimark at the time and my contracts. At the time I worked on a few movies for them and didn't eventually produce any of them. I told them that any monies paid to me could be applied to a movie that I did make, such as Return to Living Dead 3 and the two Dentist movies. I would love to find out why there's a credit with my name. There must have been a legal reason for that. Then he goes on to say, Wow, Silent Night 4, that's a weird one. Not very good, but there is some wacky stuff in it. I just intro the screening to Silent Night 5 starring Mickey Rooney as Santa at the Egyptian last summer. I co-wrote it and produced it. I also remember that not being very good. <laughs> <laughs> but, I sat, but I sat through the whole thing with my, mouth, with my mouth agape. What a crazy movie. All the best. That's great. What a dude. Yeah. I love how he's taking the time. To say that not very good. <laughs> well, not, not yeah. just, just like he's obviously he's you know he's he's taking the time to do. I haven't got it in front of me. I I did do a follow up email where I said not very good. That's one of my yeah. favorite Christmas horror movies. You know, I, I didn't say that that he doesn't actually play Santa, but you know. Yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He just watched it last year too. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Right. Oh, I love that film. So we still haven't got to the bottom of why his name was on the screen. Yeah. Well, he must have been toying around with some ideas. He might have yeah. thrown some concepts in like mm. pr- production meetings or something, and they've taken some of that. Maybe. But then, interestingly, the Blu-ray we just watched, his name's absent from that. So they've obviously because that's not the Trimark. Because yeah, the Trimark yes. version. this yeah. is the new world. And what I yeah. told you guys before yeah. is the day after we concluded these emails, mm. the credit on IMDb had changed, right. so that his credit was in brackets to the Trimark release only. Right, of course, yeah, right. Yeah. So, so he's obviously so. discovered something. So I've obviously influenced yeah. the change in that credit. That was yeah. strange. Yeah, I think, uh, I think it would have been, <laughs> I think it would have been a very different film if Yuzna had anything to. Well, yeah, that was, like, that was like 88, 89. That was like mm. smooth nigger of society. So anyway, eventually he had nothing to do with the fucking movie at all. Weird. Curious. That's Dude. one of the most curious credits of all, and for him not to know it either. Yeah. I know. And in, anyway, yeah. in moving along, in true franchise sense, the movie was then adapted into a novelized version, uh, which actually included all of the original gory stuff that the movie could never do. And followed by that, it was adapted into a four-issue comic book series in 2009. However, Julian Sands didn't agree to his likeness, so they had oh. to change the Warlock's character entirely. So the wow. story's the same, but the Warlock's completely different, looks different, has a different MO. I wonder why he wouldn't agree to it. Because it seems like... Probably all, got no all, money for it. Well, I mean, like, all credit for Ju- to, to, to Julian Sands for his previous work, but it doesn't look like he's getting that much on the go just now that... You know, I don't know. Curious. Mm. And is there anything more you want to add to it before I do wrap this chapter up? 
No, no, no. Just, just that I, th- I think it's stood the test of time very well. Yes. I think it, it rattles along. I think anybody who hasn't seen it certainly should make an effort. Definitely. I'm going to just wrap up with a tragic fact of the film that actually went towards creating the V-chip parental lock on cable TV boxes. This is the film that was responsible for that. Really? Wow. Because there was a, a tragic murder in Saskatchewan, Canada, very similar to the Bolger case where two teenage boys, well, a 14-year-old boy and an 8-year-old boy, killed a seven-year-old boy in really gruesome fashion, which I won't go into detail um, on an upbeat podcast like this. But um, yeah. yeah, because of that, they blamed the Warlock film because that was the last film these boys had watched. Wow. So that whole frenzy at the time, you know what it was like, even with the yeah. Bolger case, you had oh, the yeah, um, yeah, Child's Play and Stepfather yeah. films that were mm-hmm. blamed. Yeah. You know, ultimately, that had yeah. nothing to do with it. But anyway, so that is the reason the V-chip was created. So I think there's, you know, there's reason to sort of reference that. One last thing I want to mention is Jerry Goldsmith's score. It's a great score. Great Such score. a good score. Yeah. It's on Spotify if you want to listen to it. Mm. I do. I, I drive around in my car and listen to it. Like obnoxiously loud listening to it. It's legit but on Spotify. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. A lot of Jerry really cool. Goldsmith stuff is actually... I'm pretty sure it's on, on YouTube as well. Is yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. Great score. Cool. Um, Do we have any pizza shapes? Because I want some. I think there's pizza shapes. Let's put this on pause. If you're looking for a new Mac product... Emery Cell is the place for you. Don't throw your money away on stupidly expensive Apple gear when Emery Cell provides top-of-the-line, totally refurbished products across the Apple range. Whether you need a new iPhone, iMac, Mac Pro, iPad or other Apple products, visit Emery Cell. And if you're looking to sell your Apple gear for whatever reason, Emery Cell can offer a generous price with full data erasure, fast payment and free shipping. Visit Emery Cell's website to see for yourself. Fakeshemp.net uses their products and they wouldn't steer you wrong. Visit emrysell.com.au. From our dark past came one who would destroy the future. He possessed the powers of a god and the soul of the devil. He failed once, but now the son of Satan has returned. Let the Armageddon begin. Warlock Armageddon, also known as Warlock 2, made in 1993. I'm going to jump straight into the synopsis because all of the synopsis is on the back of the VHS and DVD covers are short as shit on this one. So here we go. Reborn into our world, the Warlock begins a terrifying new quest to seek out the mystical runestones that will give him the power to release his evil father from the confines of hell and unleash the Armageddon that will destroy the world. That's it. Oh, that's good. Easy, sharp, brief, to you the want, point. You, you want that the tagline? Much... I got the tagline. Yeah. When he comes... All hell breaks loose. Derek is that the actual the tagline? Yeah, is that on your poster? Because this is the American theatrical I'm not poster looking at a poster. Yeah. Dirty. Yeah. I just knew that's it as a, the son of dirty, Satan Returns. That's a dirty, filthy poster. That should be banned. Well, let's when just quickly... comes, <laughs> all hell will break loose. Well, let's talk about the poster. Summer. The poster is what inspired this podcast yeah. in the first place. I love this poster. I don't know why. It was always attractive to me as a kid. I totally agree. Is it because um, you like Hellraiser or... Well, th- that's the thing I was going to mention later is that yeah. director of this film was Anthony Hickox and he yeah. also directed around about the same time Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth and both posters are basically symmetrically the same. You've got Pinhead on one, you've got Warlock on the other in the same position with the title font exactly where it should yeah. be you know, in the same spot. Both holding, you know, what appears Pinhead, to be... Yeah, Pinhead's holding the Lamont. Yeah, and mm. Warlock has got a flash of light in his hand. Yeah, so yeah. one of the stones. So they're very similar, but and I've got them in our office um, and side, side by side. side. Uh, yeah. I tell you, I love, yeah. I love that. I look at them every day and I you know, 
Wink at that. Yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Nice one. Uh, anyway, so yes, um, with the success of Warlock from the Trimark release, I assume Warlock Armageddon was um, commissioned and released to a moderate success, I think, at the time. I think that was just because of the people out of curiosity went to watch it. Yeah. It was uh, directed by Anthony Hickox, written by Kevin Rock, who did Hell in Six and Philadelphia Experiment 2. Oh, I mean, oh, what a pedigree of titles. Yeah, I know, right? He's got a lineage. Um, it's, a, it's a curious film, isn't it? Because it's it's so much the same as Warlock, in even as far as its its structure, structure. goes, right? It's Again, it's, it's a call to adventure film, essentially... You've got the, the 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 quest, which is to find the, the the stones this time instead of the book. You've got um, the the son of Satan presenting as the dark force. You've got the good warriors who have to learn their craft, but being taught by the the mages, the wizards, which are their, are their fathers. It is basically the hero's journey, just with some gory bits in it and some really slick well, this, camera moves. This is, this is the rock and roll sequel. This is like a really, mm. really dark mm. sequel. Like This is a, a nasty, violent kind of movie. Yep. It hasn't got the fun, frivolous nature of the first one. Exactly. Whatsoever. And what I want to get to first is the, the one conversation that does the rounds on all the message boards and all the comment sections is, is this the same Warlock from the first one? Because the rules have changed. Mm. He's, he's different in nature, in personality. So do you think he's the same character? Well... If the argument to be made that is if he's not, it helps to justify part three, you know, which we will get to obviously. If he is, then I think you probably get away with him being so different in nature and aesthetic because, I mean, we're dealing with what is essentially just magic and nonsense. Well, and because, there are no rules because... Because in the first one, there were rules to the warlock. Like Redfern had all of these ways to kill a warlock. Right, yeah, yeah, like true. a Dracula or you know, whatever. Yeah, There's yeah. ways to kill this particular type of menace. Yeah, yeah, in this like one, salt, like none that. of those apply in part yeah. two. Suddenly, there's a whole set of new rules, and yeah. these druids have been chasing him for centuries. Whereas, what's mm. Redfern been doing? Like, there's a lot of contradictions yeah. that yeah. I can see. Yeah. And then one of the druids, the um, can't remember the guy's name, the one in all the western. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, Emmett. Uh, Lee Emery Lee Emery or something R.G. Armstrong R.G. Armstrong yeah got there in the end his character at one point says that every 600 years the warlock returns like that doesn't yeah. make sense either no, yeah. chronologically no it doesn't because the last one was 1600s which is 300 years yes yeah true so anyway I don't know I is, don't it, know. is it perhaps just a script that's been retrofitted to be a warlock perhaps possibly because even the story is by Kevin Rock but then this, the script is by Kevin Rock and another person so there's a very good chance that the other person was brought on to doctor Kevin Rock's script perhaps it's possible like we mm. pointed out at some points in the film it feels like a Hellraiser movie well I think yeah, it, definitely. I think yeah. it feels like a Hellraiser film and that's largely Hickox's influence that's his sound design his his mm. choice of musical score his his you know his um just his general aesthetic but I don't necessarily think that it's a it's a Hellraiser film because of the script. I yeah, no, think. I'd agree. I'd yeah. agree with that. Yeah. Uh, this is certainly not a better film than the first one. I think everyone here can agree with that. But Sean and I in particular have sort of... We have an affinity for this film. I love this film. <laughs> I've seen... If I've seen the first Warlock 20 times, I've then seen this one at least 30 times. It's oh, the, and, I don't know and why... The, and the rest. I don't know what I'm drawn to. And what was really, really gutting for me watching the Blu-ray was how much of it doesn't float when it's in high definition. Like yeah. There is a lot of this film that is really bad when you watch it. Hokey. We yeah. saw the crew. 
Like More yeah. than once, yeah. reflections of cars hidden behind rocks. We see yeah. we see wirework stuff. Suddenly mm. I'm thinking, mm. well, I'm watching this DTV movie, but I remember it theatrically. Like, I remember this being bigger than what it looks now. Can I say I'm so jealous you saw this in the cinema? Well, that's the interesting thing, because I couldn't find this in the cinema in Melbourne. I was in Sydney when I saw it. Because I remember being home in Melbourne watching the TV trailers, the commercials yeah, saying, yeah. you know, Warlock Armageddon. And yeah, I thought, fuck, yeah. there's a new Warlock. I love Warlock. I remember that party I was at. Yeah. And then we had a chance to go to Sydney for my dad's business and I was in Parramatta. Same cinema, I actually snuck in to see Natural Born Killers in Ace Ventura. Oh, well, there you go. At the same time. Well, yeah. I didn't sneak into Ace Ventura, but I snuck into Natural Born Killers. Killers. And this was playing there. So I don't know if that right. was like an exclusive limited run or whatever, but yeah, yeah, yeah. saw it on the big screen. Fucking blew my mind. Hmm. Um, and then watched it like 30 times on home video or DVD. But this time I was just a little bit disheartened yeah. by how hokey it looks yeah. in high def. It is. It doesn't, it's, yeah, it's a shame. And the kills are still good though. The, the kills are still good. Yeah. But it's yeah. one of those ones that's like, you know, if if, if the, the, the Blu-ray re-release, if mm. they just had a little bit of money, it's, th- it's, it's things that could be, Tightened up relatively easily but if they had my wire removal and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, but see, that's but the question because some people were really unhappy when they did it with the 4K remaster of Phantasm when they went in and changed those sort of elements because they can do it and they were subtle changes. They weren't anything major. Mm-hmm. They like they removed a bucket and that yeah. was pretty major. Um, but yeah, sometimes the fans get upset because they're but like, I oh, don't know gosh. if it's that that bothers me though. Strings and things like that yeah. don't bother me. No, it's more just the the. What I'm seeing on screen was much yeah. darker on you know DVD or VHS. Yeah. There's a lot now more there's contrasty. A lot of, you can yeah. see you know beyond the characters yeah. and what's in the background, and that removes that theatrical sort of yeah. yeah. The dark corners of all of a sudden get a bit of definition yeah. in them. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, that's it. It's it's like it feels at times with some of the visual effects, like the you know computer generated effects in it, like they were finished and like maybe a. Pretty sort of primitive, you know, visual effects CGI sort of moment because this is what like made in '92, released '93. You know, so it's that's a pretty early. You know, we had Lawnmower Man and stuff like that. That was, you know, massively budgeted movie. Mm. You know, doing visual effects of that nature. But I think that some of these visual effects were finished because they knew that. Yeah, it'll probably play in the cinemas for a little bit, but it would really be home videos, you know, and I don't think people are going to watch it in 4.3 or mm. yeah. CRTs, you know, it's not going to be... And that's the next you're never going to notice it. Yeah, well, that's the next thing. Obviously, we watched it in a polished Blu-ray on a 75-inch. Yeah. So and I in widescreen, too. So yeah, some I've of these only, other things... Yeah. Other than theatrically, masked. I've only yeah. ever watched it in pan scan 4.3. Yeah, yeah. Because that's always been available in a service yeah. country. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even on DVD, like in yeah, Australia. Yeah, the DVDs are appalling. <laughs> yeah. A lot of uh, ghosting and shit going oh, on in that one. So, Jarrett, you've not yeah. seen this one nearly as much as we have. So, no, what was your impression video. watching this one? Well, particularly about. straight after watching yeah, the original. I don't crush you guys. Like, no, no, feel free. It's exactly what I'm expecting. Um, yeah, there's, there's, but it is. If it wasn't going to be you, it was going to be you me. Know, so. It felt a bit hokey. Like, it felt a bit hokey. Like, it's the first film feels like a proper movie. Mm. And this definitely feels to me like DTV. It feels like. It's those set pieces that are kind of memorable about it, but it's like, what about everything else? Like, yeah. the, I didn't have really any investment in the characters. The I didn't. The actors were for the most part terrible. The older members, like the one you mentioned earlier, RG, RG Armstrong, and the chap that was in the thing as well. Um, I can't remember his yeah, name. I can't remember his name, but you're um, you know Steve those guys. Yeah. You know, and even then, though, you know, it's like they're taking it seriously, but they're not really given much material to work from. Mm. And it was hard to kind of work out. You know. What was the what was everyone's motivations? Like I know it's the end of the world, and that's why these guys are teamed together. I was a bit confused at times as to as to really what was happening, and there was no with Julian Sands' character, the warlock in the original. There felt like there were shades to his character. You know, I know he's he's inherently evil, 
but he was this, also very human in, in this. Yeah, yeah, in this yeah. he's just pure evil. Like just you know he's just you know death and destruction. Maybe that's the way he should have been altogether. But for me that just sort of didn't work. I was like I don't know. Certainly a long yeah. way from the original concept of him being a good guy. Oh God, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just. Yeah, it didn't resonate with me. Like, I don't think it's a terrible film by any stretch. And I'll definitely watch it again. But, um, you know, I've never had fond memories of it. I think I was disappointed when I saw it as a kid mm. for completely different reasons. Mm. I don't know why. Um, because Maybe the it's something I should have loved yeah. as a kid because it's a lot of show. You know, mm. there's oh, a yeah, lot there's, of... There's you, yeah, you see everything you don't in the first. You see it in the second film. You get your bang for your buck. Yeah, um, yeah I don't know what it is about it. But I, I think, yeah, watching it now, it definitely feels like that Trimark era. You know, and, and nothing nothing against Brian Usner's you know, Return of the Living Dead 3. I like it. I think it's a very good film as its own film. Mm. Um, but, I, you know, I have a soft spot for Return of the Living Dead 2, and I think it's a good sequel. It's not a great film, but the first one's a classic. Mm. Um, but this feels like it's in line with mm. Return of the Living Dead 3, where it's, like, very brightly lit, kind of music video-y. Yeah, and yeah, it takes its own sort of yeah. direction. Um, yeah, I don't know. You know, I, no. I, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I would definitely watch it again. But um, well, I think I'll probably give myself a year. sign of, of being 10 when you watch it yeah. as opposed to... Yeah, being nostalgic for know, it. Being yeah. in your mid-30s kind of thing. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, I'm much easier impressed. Much more forgiving. You know, before I went to film school and became a film reviewer, yeah. I will watch any old nonsense. For Christ's sake, back in... It was in those days that I was watching uh, Hulk, that stupid Hulk Hogan film, Thunder in Paradise. Have you seen that? I never Hulk seen Hogan that plays one, like no. a, a, a Navy SEAL with a big with a big jet boat called Thunder, and he lives in paradise. Like it's it, right. it's yeah. absolutely sold. Sign like, me up. I thought it, I thought it was the best film I'd ever seen. Yeah, right. I was like, oh my god, Thunder and Paradise! Like I yeah. would watch any old tosh. Yep. What about Suburban Commando? I, yeah. know, I used to watch Classic. that. But the point is, is that if I was impressed by Thunder and Paradise, it yep. doesn't surprise me that I was impressed yeah. when I was ten. By well, an interesting note yeah. to the production being like it's obviously cheaper and it's a you know DTV release. There was a different director originally attached to it called Frank Lalogia. He's a guy that made uh, Fear No Evil and Lady in White. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I like both of those movies. Yes, right. Mainly Lady... I Lady covered in Lady White. in White on one of our previous podcasts. You did, Lady, you did. Lady Many in Many years White. ago. So the problem was yeah, the studio yeah. thought that his vision was far too expensive. So right, that's yeah. where they call him the guy that did waxwork. And well, it's a it's a big shift because you look at Lady in White, it's a very slow yeah. burn suspense. But he might have delivered piece, a film closer yeah. to the first one yeah. in production-wise. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I agree. So then yeah. That, that, that begs the question is, is the step away from the first one's production in terms of its aesthetic and, and, and style? Is it a good thing? Was it a, was it a, was it a wise decision perhaps to step away to 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 refit the franchise so early Maybe on? Maybe had or? they kept to the original director, they might have had a franchise on their hands yeah. as opposed to well, you know, just the yeah. part one and two because we'll yeah. get to yeah. another three in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But another thing that I find kind of ironic is that Julian Sands originally turned down the original film because he did not want to be in a typical generic slasher film. He wasn't interested. Right. Right. And then when he read the script, after letting it sit on his desk for like a year... Was it called Warlock, the script? I think so. And he's like, ah, oh, slasher. Yeah. Well, he, he was told by his agent probably, we've got uh, a horror film course, here yeah. from you know, whatever yeah. company. And, and he let it sit there for months on end, didn't read it, eventually picked it up when he was bored, read it, realised it wasn't what he thought it was, right, so he signed yeah. on in a heartbeat. But then that begs the question, why come back to a sequel that is what you thought the first one was going to yeah. be? Because the yeah. first one destroyed his career oh, and he needed me. some cash. <laughs> <laughs> pick me because he wasn't getting those Shakespeare roles. All the cash. Don't forget, by the time Warlock Armageddon showed up, Julian Sands had already started making a move into sort of mainstream-ish Hollywood. Had he done, done Arachnophobia yeah. for Frank Marshall. Yeah, that course, was in 1991. Yeah. Um, he is... Excellent interactive. He is very he's cool. Great. And it was around the time of Warlock Armageddon that he was in the... 
the, the legal battles, he wasn't involved, but the film Boxing Helena yeah. um, oh, for Jennifer course. Lynch. Yeah, that yeah. was in 93 as well. Yeah, yeah. And the, that film was marred by Leaving Las Vegas? He was in Le- well, Leaving Las Vegas, didn't show up until 94, 95. Right. Yeah. But it's it's still that golden period yep. of Julian Sands. Yeah. yeah. So then, yeah, I mean, like, you know, given, I mean, arachnophobia, for, for Spielberg produced, Frank Marshall directed, it would have been a mega budget. Mm. And he's obviously taken a step back to star in, mm. you know, a sort of hokey well, I guess because that, that is like a bit that's a small part. And he's like, oh, or you could I do the lead. lead. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. oh, yeah, okay. If I can do this and I can still do Shakespeare in the park. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'll, but I'll the, the first Warlock could be something he is proud of. Yeah, No sure. doubt. I would so, hope you know, so, obviously, maybe the script read really well for part two. Like, yeah. you don't have any concept True. of it being on a back lot like it is yeah. Yeah. and having all this dodgy yeah. CGI and shit like that. And that, that's sometimes how it is, though. Like, you know, you're committed. You're, when you're on a film set, oh, sometimes you can be on a film set and you can just be so overwhelmed by, like, this looks fucking amazing. Yeah. This yeah. is going to look amazing. And then you'll get a peek, you know, behind the camera and you go, God, it's lit really nice. This looks fantastic. And then when you see the finished product or a sales trailer yeah. and you're like, oh, fuck. Is that what I'm in? What? Yeah. yeah. It's a, and it's yeah, a shock. It's so, really, like, you know, sometimes you be even on that hokey backline, you're like, oh, it's not too bad. You know, it's, it's a studio. Those, it's one of those yeah. things that never feels to amaze me when it comes to the f- to, to, to films. You know, whenever a film comes out, people that, that, that disastrously, you know, garners reviews or, or box office or whatever, People who don't know any better always say the same thing. They all go, it takes 500 people to make a movie. How come nobody stepped in and said, you know, like, oh, guys, this is... Sh-. The reason is, is because there's only about three people in that production that actually cares yeah. how the film ends up. The rest of them are just wage slingers. Yeah. They're just wage yeah. jockeys. That's all they're there for. Yeah. So, yeah, when you've got three people in Warlock Warlock 2 that have got vested interest and the rest of them are just there just to pick up a picture. And by the time you're in the edit suite, too, it's like, well, what can you do? Yeah, what do you like, do? Yeah. What do you do? You know? Throw some more CGI at it. Let's get yeah. that guy to do the CGI. <laughs> that guy from India, he'll come in and he'll, he'll do some video effects on it. But, you know, look, yeah. just to bring it back to a positive sort of slant, there's some really cool stuff going on here. I love oh. the black blood. I love the yeah. chick getting her hair ripped off. She's scalped in the car. Paul Marshall yeah. on the motorcycle. Yeah. Like yeah. There's I even a Suspiria-like kill with the um, fashion, uh, fashion model. models. Pol- you know, Polidere. it's very Suspiria-like. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's, there's some really good kills, very stylized kills. It's, yeah. also, it's almost like, you know, it's, it's a set-piece film where it's just let's just a means to an end like everything in between is a means to the next kill you know? yeah exactly let's kill someone let's get on to the next and one that, and you can see that when 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 hickox works and not even just in this film in, in hickox's entire catalog you can see that when it comes to the gory stuff that's when he's having the most fun mm. the finale of warlock the armageddon as far as mm. like design goes the shot design we were talking about it, the shot design is surprisingly complex it's always interesting yeah, yeah. like yeah. he's 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 got a really dynamic camera it's always moving but when you move a camera in an action sequence it takes time and it takes money and it takes rehearsals and for it to look as good as it does on the budget they had I mean I tip my hat to Hickox man. I think That's his a- Achilles heel is that fact though because he loves he's got he's good with a camera right he can put a camera in these weird angles and do all these false perspectives and whatnot. But when you put all of that together, mm. it gets in the way of the narrative. Yeah, it becomes a bit fatigued. Yeah, we were talking about, oh, look at that yeah, camera angle, and look at this, and look true. at that. But you, you, you film, forget yeah. about what's yeah. going on. You yeah. Know? yeah. But again, I guess that's, that's the, 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 the definition of style yeah. over substance. You know what I'm going to do? I'm gonna, in post-production for this podcast, I'm going to add some wind and a door that slams. So that'd be great. That'd be yeah. really cool. That'd be great. It's the, it's the third, third coming of Julian Sands, though. We won't count Bruce Payne. What happens when Julian Sands comes? 
uh, all hell breaks loose. <laughs> We've only got one beer, Julian, but you're welcome to have it, man. Look out, it's Armageddon. Uh, yeah, I'll give you my wish, buddy. I wish we had more beers. <laughs> <laughs> Go hither. <laughs> there was oh, actually a video game of Warlock Armageddon. Was it really? Yeah, it was made in 1995 what? on Super NES and Sega Genesis. And it combined elements from the first film and the second one, Druids, Rhinestones, Redfern, and um, I should sue because that was my idea. Fucking ripped off. I Never sh- got a local release. Oh, I know. I was going to well, say. As far as I know. I would go sucks. so far as to buy a, a retro Super Nintendo just to find this game. Well, you can look it up. Yeah, shit. Imagine how much it's worth. Oh, I do want to mention one thing about yep. Warlock 2, which we noticed watching the Blu-ray. Um, it was, And that, this is a question. You know, hopefully it might be solved by the special features. Is the entire film... 80 yard. Yeah, bizarre. It's a very strange thing, you know. Haven't really picked up on it previously. Neither have and I. And maybe that's because of the low res kind of like lens, if that makes yeah, sense. It gives, you know, it, it gives it something yeah. to hide behind. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes what you see affects thing. what you hear, and I think that of might course. be. Yeah, it's just some of the dialogue. Like, I mean, all the dialogue, it didn't seem like it was you know, diegetic. It felt like it was yeah. all post. And even some of the sound effects stuff, you're like, wouldn't there be some sounds now? Yeah. There just seems to be. Yeah, it was a little bit off. It was weird, but to me, it added to the Euro feel of the film. So it kind of added I think to that. That was a good you point know? you made. Yeah, yeah. It feels like it feels like a, an yeah. Italian, Italian giallo feel giallo from film the, with the dubbing. You yeah. know, you're like, wow, that's a cool kind of element. It's certainly better than Julian Sands in Phantom of the Opera. Dario oh, Argento's fuck me. film. Yeah, right. That the worst. A- Watched it once. Paid way too much money to import it from the States when it first came out. So did I. I imported that for about sixty it. bucks or something. It was outrageous. Yeah. And what a piece of shit. I think he gets his dick out in that as well. So he's a, he's a fan of getting it out. And like Sean mentioned, he gets it out in number two. So if that's your thing. Yeah. Um, that's his thing. He's kind of yeah. like a... He's, yeah, well, he's kind of like a... He's kind of like a, a Ewan McGregor of, yeah. the, of the yeah. Merchant Ivory. Yeah. yeah. He's constantly whipping his tackle out. <laughs> a house has been in my family for hundreds of years. I didn't even know about it. Why don't you come with me? It'll be an adventure. You may not like what you find. <laughs> Warlock 3, The End of Innocence, 1999. Quick synopsis, over 300 years ago, a demonic warlock tried unsuccessfully to sacrifice the offspring of a witch in an attempt to create his eternal bride of darkness. Uh, But his plan failed and he was banished. Until now. Now, I don't know what the tagline for Warlock 3 is on the poster, but it should be... You know, try everything once, except maybe this movie in heroin. <laughs> I, think, I think that's what they should have put on it. it. I mean, the synopsis is almost as boring as the film. And the synopsis is the shortest thing we've done for this entire podcast. I think we've done more Googling and just general Facebooking during this yeah. film than we've yeah. done in the last month combined. I had a political rant right in the middle of it. That <laughs> was the best thing about the movie. <laughs> that was like 35 minutes. If you ever do end up watching Warlock 3 again, you'll yep. almost certainly you'll go, uh, Flashbacks. oh man, yeah, this film sucks. But remember when we watched it last time, Sean Precisely. went bananas? Yeah. <laughs> in fact, Jarrett and I kept saying, like, I just want to watch the movie. I just want to watch the movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You, you fucking listen. You you should definitely do the commentary track on the, the oh, Aussie yeah. release. When when they do the you know 20th anniversary Aussie release next year, <laughs> um, oh my God. you could do it. Oh, so this was directed by a guy called Eric Freiser. I think that's his name. And he's only done really one feature as a director, but he also uh, co-wrote... We'll try everything once. <laughs> if it doesn't work out, don't ever do it again. Stop. <laughs> Immediately. And he wrote uh, another Midnight Run, that director yeah. video sequel to Midnight Run. Midnight Run. <laughs> it was written by a guy called Bruce David Elson, who... Also served, his credits is all as legal counsel on heaps of horror movies like Return of the Living Dead 3, The Dentist, 
Oh. Leprechaun 3, sometimes they come back again and Love and a 45, which is a really odd one to add on to the end yeah. of that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Love and a 45 oh, isn't right. a particularly good film either. Yeah. Not that Leprechaun 3 is a fucking stellar work of art. <laughs> um, yeah, wow, just some of the many films he's been legal counsel on. This film is a piece of shit. It's terrible. Yeah, look, it's, you know... <sighs> let's let's note that it's Bruce, Payne, Bruce Payne takes over the role of the warlock. Definitely yeah. not the same warlock. I, I remember when I first saw this at the video store, because, you know, obviously it came out, well, like, six years after the last instalment. Yeah. I remember seeing it on video. I'm like, what? They've made a Warlock 3. And then I looked Dude. at it for two seconds. I'm like, is that Jeffrey Rush? <laughs> and then I'm like, Bruce who? Bruce Payne. Never Bruce, heard of him. Bruce and then Payne. I remember la- like the when I watched Passenger 57 next, I was like, yeah. oh, Charles Rain. Yeah. Bruce Payne. I will watch that movie. I never did. Watch yeah. it today with you. Oh well, my God. First time. First wow. and last. 20 years down the line. And what do you think? Oh, I wish Jeffrey Rush was in it. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I was working in the video stores when this came out, and yeah, so was I. the preview cassette came in, and it was like you know they split them between yeah, two films. Yeah, two features. Can't remember what the other one was, but right. I remember seeing Warlock Three, and I fucking flipped my lid. I'm like, yeah, oh would. my god, how do I not know about this? I need to watch it immediately. Yeah. They wouldn't let me take it, so I stole it and went home and watched it and put it right back in the drawer the next day. Yeah. Isn't it? Uh, That's a film it? that would benefit from having a time code on it during it, because you're like, fucking, is that a counter? When's this thing ending? What's yeah, this I time? Well, like, I, w- I watched that the whole time like. <laughs> yeah. and it's, it's one of those ones I think it, it's probably I can't tell if we're being unfair particularly you and I Glenn because mm. you know all three of us have an mm. affinity for the first one Glenn and I particularly have an affinity for the second one you know so then when the third one comes out your excitement is on high and you're hyped and you're ready for it and then when it comes out and it has exactly nothing that made the first two good. I don't think it matters. If you watch this as a standalone film, having never seen the first yeah, two, yeah. you'd still think it's a piece of shit. You'd, you'd be bored. Inexplicably, be bored. you know, they, they, they recast the, 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 the warlock. They set it in Ireland for no good reason whatsoever. Presumably, like I mean, you mentioned, Jarrett, maybe just a tax kick break. back tax yeah, break. Yeah. It must be said that Bruce yeah. Payne's not bad by any means. He's just not giving anything well, good. Well, yeah, he's thing. just is, Bruce Payne. Is yeah. it ever addressed that it's actually set in Ireland because everyone's an American in it, yeah? The yeah, two people that American. come in, Bruce Payne, he's American, well, and the British other guy professor. that comes in, the, the, he's British. When, the when woman she, on the road, maybe, yeah, she's Irish. When she... She didn't do a very when, good when American she, accent. When Ashley Lawrence, uh, who, P.S., I should say, I actually quite like Ashley Lawrence. I don't think oh, yeah. she's a bad yeah. actor. No, right? she's not. I think she's got. She has no know, range, and she hasn't she done much. But yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't think she's. <laughs> yeah. I don't. But she, like, legitimately, I don't yeah. think. I don't think. I'm perfectly happy to watch Ashley Lawrence in anything. Like, I don't. Yeah. Oh, for Christ's sake, Ashley Lawrence. But she's probably the best thing in it. But mm. she doesn't have much to work with. But when she gets the I think that the, end credit's the best thing in it. Yeah, I know. Right? It was good. Um, when she gets the note saying she'd inherited the house, then they say the house is in Ireland. Oh, did they say that? Yeah. They said that, that that bit, right? Yeah, and okay. then there's like a little musical motif that comes through. It's kind mm. of like this Celtic-y ish uh, kind yeah, of right, of course. You know, like oh, yeah. oh, that was when we were texting Forget each other. About How that. about that rent? That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Wait, you really went off tack. Yeah, Sean, I'm gonna shut up. Dude, should we leave? This is scary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is much scarier than Warlock 3. But, it, but it's got nothing. It's got no style. <laughs> <laughs> it's got no style. It's yeah. got no grace. It's not got any sense of irony that no. you're that it's laughing with you as opposed to you laughing at it. It has no sense of pace, no sense of... Like, there was one good vis effect in it. You know, right, yeah, at girl, yeah. Yeah, right at the end where yeah. the girl turns to glass There's and a long he smashes way. her. But I mean... Four seconds in a ninety-minute film. Oh, when the guy gets his jaw ripped off, that was pretty good. That was, that looked that good. Yeah, that looked good. I would think it was more surprised by those things though, because the film was so kind of shit that yeah. when oh, those things happened, happened, like wow, that looked good. Yeah, I didn't expect this film to have something that looked good yeah. in it. Incoherent plot. Like, yeah, you know, no rules, no internal rules, well, no well, like, logic. You mentioned that it was thirty-five minutes 
we were into the film. We did have the one. It opened with, you know, something in the past, but we never really saw all of the events mm. as such. And then it was like about 35 minutes later that Before we you get, your first glimpse get a of real warlock. glimpse of the warlock. Because yeah. by that stage, we don't know what the fuck the movie's about. Like, yeah. she's gone to this decrepit house that could be haunted. She's heard a child, like, crying or whatever. Yeah. And then I'm her, still scratching her, my head. Yeah. Then her friends show up, and then we spend 15 minutes with her and her friends doing banal things, like unpacking boxes or doing Making pancakes like, yeah, or whatever. making pancakes. Like, yeah. there's, there's, it's just... It's, it's, it's so completely incompetent. All right. So Hang on, why is it called the end of innocence either? Because she's pretty much banging that guy kid. from the start. Oh, the, the kid, kid that was... Yeah, right. God, jeez. I mean, but that end a, of that's, innocence that's a, was like a long time ago. Yeah, that's a, ten, that's a tenuous link yeah. at best. Yeah, but um, what do we think of the artwork on the DVD? Oh, yeah. It's okay. It sure. looked like Jeffrey Rush. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, he'd just come off the back look, of Quills. I, it really <laughs> suffers. I mean, from what I researched, it's got a $2 million budget in it. Fucking looks like mm. it, right? Yeah. It's really. But if, like, if they definitely wanna... rented equipment to make the film with, and paid Ashley Lawrence some cash. I'm not yeah, sure about Ashley, everybody else. I would not surprise me if Ashley Lawrence walked away with 200 grand of that, like yeah. 10 of the budget, yeah. and then everybody else. Just Bruce Payne, he that... he he took a hundred only because they gave him top billing on the poster and the video. Well, the video slick because let's face it, this film probably never played in any cinema anywhere in the world. God, or no. many lounge rooms. Or <laughs> 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 many lounge rooms. True story. <laughs> so there's very little information out there on the internet about this one. Not that it matters. So most of it will probably be on the DVD, the Blu-ray release that we just watched, but we didn't really get stuck into there's that. There's a commentary track, track but fucking there, there, who's no going to do that? There, there isn't a commentary track. There is. Oh, um, there isn't? I no, thought... not part three. Oh. In part three in the Vestron release, there's uh, 45 minutes worth of interviews with the cast and crew, all shot on a crappy DV cam. Mm. Uh, and most of the crew are, from, uh, sorry, most of the cast at least, uh, seem to be incoherent. Like they're just... Like, like some people they have, drug them all yeah they drug and them made them read off the screen. <laughs> when it comes to those makings of and all that kind of stuff and and, and it's only when you see something like warlock 3 that yeah. you realize the difference some people just have the gift of the gab that can talk up the film talk up the production talk up their characters and the story yeah. and, all that kind of stuff. and then there's other people like the entire cast of warlock 3 that show up and talk ad nauseum <laughs> for 45 minutes which is half the film's runtime yeah and they say less than what the film has to say. And the film's fucking get nothing to say. But, but sometimes you find if there's, say, you know, 100 people in a room and only one of those people, you know, sort of steps up and says something of value and the other 99 don't, you know? Do you know what I'm talking about? No. You haven't seen that Lady Gaga press conference video? Oh, my no. God, it's the best thing ever. It's like the best seven minutes of your life. You can watch that for 99 minutes, infinitely better than Warlock 3. <laughs> She pretty much tells the same anecdote at every press yeah, because, conference um, across Bradley, all major Brad, film festivals. Like Bradley Cooper changed her life. Festival. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And he just has to sit there next to her most of the time. And he believed it. in her. He really he believed in really her. He really believe in her. Wow. Yeah, it's great. And she even fucks it up a few times, but infinitely better. So if you're contemplating watching Warlock 3, The End of Innocence, jump on YouTube, watch Lady Gaga talk about, you know, Bradley Star Cooper. Born for it's amazing. Good. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's the, that's the end of She's the show. She's got the gift of the gap. Yeah. I got nothing to say. That's our final franchise for 2018. <laughs> so we're going to take a little bit of a hiatus over the holidays and we'll be back next year. I do love franchised. It's good fun. Yeah, I had a good time, especially with that Warlock 3. I Fuck mean, you guys. What a way to end the year, man. <laughs> I know. What a way to end the year. Imagine if that was the last film you saw for 2018. You'd really question whether you want to live in 2019. We should have just jerked each yeah. other off. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Well, there you go. There's that. I just, I don't, yeah, 20 years it's taken. I don't think I'm ever going to watch it again. I will never watch this again. I, almost I, I think that's the first time I've actually made it. No, I made it to the end. No, I think they don't make it to the end. I don't know. That's my pledge. I'll never watch it again. I would never watch it again. 
I, I have the DVD on my shelf right now. I'm going to go burn it. I'm not. You've I'm got a completist. I'm a completist. Oh, there, is that, there is that part of me that's a completist. I, I like keep it. I'm such a yeah. fuckwit. Like, I just have to yeah. keep it because of that fact. I'll come back to Candyman 3 faster than I ever will for Warlock 3. In fact, Candyman 3 looks like a really promising opportunity for a rewatch in 2019 for Warlock 3. To, Maybe to I was f- too hard on it. To be fair, I've actually watched Candyman 3 more. You know, we need to go back through all the franchises, watch the least of them all. House 4. Yeah, so that'll be like a special edition (laughs) podcast where we do fucking Vegas Vacation or actually Cousin Eddie's Island Adventure. Totally, the Black Sheep. The Black Sheep collection. We go go back to Lethal Weapon 3. (laughs) That's our next podcast. Hey, I liked Lethal Weapon 3. No, I didn't love it, but I mean, Lethal Weapon 4 ruled hard. (laughs) Come on, that was was Uh, a discovery. This is the point where I faded out. (laughs)